Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with my buddy, Gabriel. Hey, Jordan. Gabriel Mizrahi, screenwriter, BFF, jack of all trades. No, not quite. Not quite jack of Jack of, of one trade. Jack of one trade. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I've become. That, that would be a great name for the show, Jack of One Jack Trade. Jack of One Trade is an awesome turn of It's trades. a band name, too. If is it? To. That, oh, in Or it would be a good it band It would be a good one. Yeah, Jack you're right. Jack of One Trade. Damn. Don't play an instrument, so I'm going to have to work that in yeah, somewhere else. wow. I love it. Anyway, here at AOC, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday, <laughs> those questions come from you. If it's your first time to AOC Fan Mail Friday, it's a sample of how we operate at AOC, but by no means a full helping of all our show has to offer. Listener interaction is one of my favorite parts of the show. Without you, we would have no show. But our typical content is more in-depth. It's a longer format. We interview top performers in their field. We work to unpack their methods, theories, hard-earned insights. And these are people that you either know or should know, and we use a longer format to help you understand what processes or steps they used, which helped them become successful. Then we distill those concepts to help you apply them to your life. And by the way, that bit right there was written by a listener. So if, when people hear me do script stuff and they're like, ugh, this is awful, they I just say, rewrite it. And sometimes they do, and that's why we have all this that, stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I always appreciate that because I'm not uh, not good at necessarily scripting some of this, and I usually just wing a lot of it. For a great place to start, check out some of our most popular episodes at theartofcharm.com where you can find the best of as well as the toolbox. And the toolbox includes body language, nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, networking, mentorship, influence, persuasion, all that stuff that we teach here at The Art of Charm. And we'll send that to your inbox if you text the word charmed. Charmed to 33444, or you can go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge, or you can grab our iPhone app at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone. All right, let's cut to it. Question number one. Hey, Jordan, I enjoy listening to The Art of Charm a lot as I think it really puts one's head in the right mindset. I usually don't interact with any self-development gurus. Well, good, I'm not a guru. Uh, But I have this question that's been bothering me for a long time, and I'd really like to know your opinion on it. My ex-boyfriend, who's influenced me a lot, had this philosophy of life that it is healthy and necessary to get rid of all negative people in your life who put you down, complain, air their dirty laundry, because they can cope with it inside or are not successful in general. This way of filtering your close friends and partners sounds about right in theory, but in practice, it's not a nice way to be. I saw him almost completely cutting off his best friend of 10 years when he had some problems in his personal life and needed support. He stopped speaking to his parents for a year when they didn't agree with what he was doing, and he also didn't help me and ignore my troubles when I was struggling with money, and he could really easily have helped me, but he chose to be completely ambivalent to it. Anyway, my current boyfriend is an extreme opposite. He doesn't give up on people and tries to help them, but that includes staying in touch with an ex-girlfriend who has mental health problems and has violently attacked him, old friends that used him and betrayed him, being close to work colleagues that give him nothing but complaining and consistently asking him to help with their personal problems, etc. At the same time, he's quite a negative person himself. He always sees the bad side of a situation first, complains a lot about small things, and only sees the dark side of people first. So whenever we meet someone new, he immediately gives a pessimistic judgment. Sometimes I think it would be better off without him myself, as this consistent negativity and a big circle of acquaintances who are not anything more than selfish underachievers drains my energy. So, when do you cut off whatever doesn't help you grow, and when do you keep the people in your life even though they don't inspire you and give you nothing back? Mm. Damn. Good question. Really good question. What's the you know the line between cutting toxic people out of your life and just ditching people when they could totally use your help? Yeah, I, for me... Personally, I've thought about this quite a bit, and you can help people 
up and until it starts negatively affecting your life in a significant way. So there's always going to be maybe, well, I, there's often going to be some consequences to helping people out. If you have a best friend of 10 years and they start getting depressed, yeah, you might have to have more phone conversations with them or it might be a little bit more energy to get that person out of bed and, and help them out or get them through whatever their stuff is. But you've got to balance that with the fact that this person's been your friend and a very normal person for 10 years. You kind of owe it to that person to help them out. Would they do the same thing for you is a good question to ask as well. And with the other people, though, with this new boyfriend who helps out an ex-girlfriend with mental health problems, this is bad. It's probably driving him crazy. It's driving his family crazy. It's driving you, his current girlfriend, crazy. That's a negative and unacceptable consequence. So the question has to become, are you willing to accept the consequences and why? And then balance that with the quality of the relationship that you have with this person. Is this person always there for you? Are they supportive? Are they an important part of your life? For, for this ex-girlfriend, for example... An ex-girlfriend with mental health problems is probably not adding value to your life. There's something there before, but now the consequences are really big. So I would say that's a person you need to cut. Whereas your best friend of 10 years who starts to run into a tough time at work and needs a little bit of support, that's a person you don't cut off because the consequences are very bearable, that you have a great relationship, there's a lot of value there for that relationship between the two of you. And so that, to me, is the calculation. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And... I think it's interesting that she's dated these two extremes because they yeah. seem to each have different boundaries. It each has a, a, a different problem with boundaries is what I should say. Yeah, true. Good like point. on one hand, this person is so afraid of getting enmeshed in people's lives that he just cuts them out entirely when they don't need that much help and probably it's within the bounds of the relationship to help. And the other one doesn't even want doesn't understand where the boundaries are and just gets so involved in other people's lives that they stick around and often probably past when it's appropriate and when it becomes toxic and difficult so that's kind of interesting because they're the whole point of boundaries is to be able to connect with people without ever being pulled down by them or overstepping your bounds or anything like that that's why healthy boundaries work so well uh neither of these guys i'm assuming they're guys yeah um sounds like they understood that all that well so the bigger lesson here i think is just understanding where those boundaries are for you and deciding how you want to live your life. And if these are the kinds of people who bring you up and, you know, make you feel supported and healthy and proactive, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely balance the quality of the relationship and the length of the relationship that you have with the person, uh, the value you get from them and whether or not you can entertain or, or sustain the consequences. And that's sort of the magic mix equation for setting those boundaries. The other question. Yeah, you're right. It does bring up an interesting point hey, how come you're choosing people that either have no boundaries or really maladjusted, super tight boundaries? Because anybody that you're that close to, their boundaries become your boundaries, mm. right? Which is why when you marry into a family with a great girl, but her brother's in prison and her parents are absentee and mother's an alcoholic, it's like, yikes, right? The boundaries have to be there to protect you and your relationship. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. That's why people worry about these kind of things. Ultimately, the question of boundaries is going to apply to the, the real question of the letter, which is she says, sometimes I think I would be better off without him myself. And that is a question for her to figure out, like, where are my boundaries with this person? So at what point do I decide that I just don't want to be with this guy anymore? Yeah. And uh, I think everything we said applies to her as much as it does to whether these partners should have had their boundaries in place with these other people. It's strange that our partner's boundaries become an extension of ours. And so we have to set our own boundaries with partners to make sure that their boundaries are similar. It's almost like a core values thing, mm. right? If, if, I, if I'm married to Jen, right? And Jen is the type of person that 
mercilessly cuts off everybody or lets in everybody because she's so nice, neither of which are the case. I have to deal with those consequences. So my boundaries have to then be discussed with her and our boundaries have to match at a certain level. Otherwise, there's always going to be this tension. So it sounds almost like she's not going into relationships thinking about her own boundaries and how they relate to the boundaries of the people that she's dating. Well, she will now. She will now. Exactly. You might also want to check out this blog post that we put on the blog, I don't know, a few years ago now, I think two, three years ago. You can easily find it by going to theartofcharm.com and Googling or searching on the site for toxic. There's an article about how and when to cut toxic people out of your life. And there's some really nice strategies in there for how to deal with it. Great. We can link that up in the show notes actually as well. So if you want to hit the show notes for this, go ahead and do that. And the link will be right there. Here's a toughie. Hey, Jordan, I've been listening to you for almost a year and often hear you say, ask me about anything. I have a complex issue to explore with you. I'm not expecting you to have the answer, but perhaps you can point me in a new direction. While reading this, it is safe to assume that a high degree of humility was utilized in evaluating myself. All right. This is a bit long, but I think your listeners will be interested. I'm a guy in the tech industry, particularly the product management side. No matter where I work, there's going to be some level of office politics and favoritism at play. Often I notice what I like to call boys clubs, and I'm sure most people are familiar with this in their own offices. Infiltrating these clubs can be important for promotions and opportunities as they usually run all the way up to the executives. When I start a new job, I have no problem getting into these clubs. My default personality is a perfect match for the way they socialize, so I easily slip right in. Now comes the complication. After about three to five months, the club members become a bit more comfortable with me and start to inquire about my personal life. The inevitable question of, do you have a girlfriend or wife, comes up. I'm bisexual, and I've been with my male partner for almost seven years. I'm not one to lie and stay true to myself. However, after finding out this information, the pattern for the club changes. Dialogues once common among the guys become a bit more uncommon, and I begin to notice that I'm no longer in favored graces. This isn't to say that they're talking bad about me or treating me poorly, but the difference almost becomes a barrier. Other guys are considered for promotions, my work is seen less favorably, and I notice that I'm listened to less often. I don't know what to do here. My teammates think I do amazing work and do not understand why I'm passed up for things like promotions. They can only slightly see that I'm being favored less than my counterparts. It's subtle, but it's there. I've tried working harder only to have the politically correct, we think you're doing a great job, but X was discussed as the right option for promotion. I've tried talking about the problem directly, only to be told, there's no reason to be concerned. The company just can't afford to provide this change. Then I see another person promoted a few months later. It truly screws with my mind. If anything could induce imposter syndrome, this is it. This has caused me to seek opportunities elsewhere twice now, but I fear it's a problem I will run into everywhere. How do I stay true to myself without hurting my career prospects? These are companies who consider themselves LGBT allies, but the leadership seems to subtly keep me down. Thank you. Concerned and curious. Yikes. I understand why he's concerned and curious. Yes. We should talk about both of those Let's things. Do it. This is hard. And um, I just want to appreciate how difficult this problem is. And I know he's not the only one to be dealing right, with this. Right. I, this is the kind of problem I hope that people are not having in, I don't know, hopefully ASAP, but yeah. like 10, 20, 30 years, one generation. I hope this goes away. But it's a real thing in a lot of organizations, as we know, because more and more information about it is coming out. So I don't know if there's anything anybody could say to fix this overnight, but I think we can unpack it a little bit and try to look at some options. So the first thing I think we need to talk about is we, we should probably accept as fact, just accept that the backstory he provided is true, that he is a high performer, that he is good at his job, um, that he's exhibiting all the things you would exhibit if you wanted a promotion. 
Um, we right, because otherwise how, we're just then we're yeah. Then we don't know. Oh, you're not qualified. Yeah. The end. Right. He seems he seems like a fairly self aware guy. He seems on top of it. He seems like he's had a number of different roles and he works in a probably in a pretty ambitious company. So I'm guessing that he's a smart on top of it dude. This is hard though because I think what he feels is that the trade off is between advancing at work and being his authentic self. If he fits into the boys club so easily, it probably means that he has like a pretty easygoing masculine default personality that allows him to fit into these largely male dominated cultures right but if he kept lying about it then he wouldn't be true to himself and it would be like really compromising a big part of himself just to potentially offset the chance that he won't get promoted once they find out that he has a male partner that's hard yeah yeah it's tough so it seems to me that (laughs) this guy needs This guy really needs to figure out how much of what he's experiencing at work is attributable to the quality of his work and how much of it is attributable to his orientation. How to do that? Well, there's no foolproof way to do it, but there might be a few ways to get more data. Now, he talked about his teammates think I do amazing work and don't understand why I'm passed up for things like promotions. Now, it might be the case that he's doing awesome work and that his employees or teammates um, love him. But we also know that people don't go out of their way to tell you when things aren't so great. Right. So if, if somebody asks, there's no incentive for us to be really honest with negative feedback a lot of the time, especially in a workplace. Right. So if you go, is it my work? People who go, oh, my God, it's so your work, but I don't want to deal with your drama. No, your work's great. Don't worry about that. And then they roll their eyes and go, oh, my God. Right. And it doesn't know. even need to be as dramatic as that. He could be doing a good job. And it might just not be an amazing job. And again, we're not saying that that's the case. We have no way of knowing exactly how good he is at his job. But it's worth unpacking and just considering, like, how do you get people to tell you the truth when it's not always in their interest to be perfectly honest? So one thing I think he might be able to do, just as a place to start, is to sit down with a few trusted colleagues and say, look, here's the deal. Uh, I really want to know what kind of guy I am at work. Am I a good employee? Am I a good colleague? Am I like making products better? Am I a good product manager? I really need you to tell me the truth. And I promise you that I'm not going to be upset by what you tell me. I know it's weird. I know it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm giving you full permission to tell me the truth. It's really important to me. I think if you say that to 90% of people, they will actually open up and meet you there. But you have to go so far out of your way to make it safe for them to tell you the truth. Right, exactly. I would absolutely do that even if he weren't dealing with this promotion situation at work. But if he is dealing with it, I would do it even faster and sooner. Because if he can get information, like maybe it turns out that he's fine, but he's not amazing. Or he's good, but he's not doing enough to be seen as good at work. Or there's some aspect of his personality that's overriding the good work he's doing, which has nothing to do with his orientation whatsoever. It's possible. I would want to know that first. Yeah, I think it's good to start there. What about going to HR or something like that? Also a really important option to consider because that's kind of what HR is for. Right. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> and in theoretically, in the best situations, HR is independent of management. And uh, they might not be part of the boys club that he feels he's being shut out of once they know about his full life. But as we know, HR isn't always perfect. So I understand if he would be a little bit afraid to go to them that I understand that, but recognize that that's an option and that's what they're there for. And if he goes to them, not in when he goes to them in the first place, not asking for, you know, demanding an explanation, but just being like, here's what I'm noticing. I seem to do really well. My performance reviews are really positive. I'm excited about this product. I'm good at work. And I still seem to be getting passed over for these promotions. 
And I noticed that it's around the time that I start to tell people about, you know, that I live with a guy and da 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 da. Is there something I'm missing? Can you help me understand this? As opposed to like blaming them for the problem. Sure. Yeah. Look, we know that HR doesn't always act in always in the interest of employees. Sometimes they defend the company that employs them. But it's a place to start and something to consider. Another one I thought about is that he says he has done this. Let's see. This has caused me to seek opportunities elsewhere twice now. Right. Right. Which is a little bit of a red flag because in his mind, he thinks that he's sought opportunities elsewhere because he wasn't getting promoted. But it could also be the case that he's not getting promoted at any company he works at and he keeps trying to go somewhere hoping it'll be different. So another option is to talk to people at the old companies, you know, who might even have more of an incentive to be honest now that he's not working there. I don't know what his relationships are like at those other companies, but even if there's one teammate from an old company who can just provide an objective point of view on his work, that would be huge. Like, that would be really helpful. And maybe even some of the HR people at the old companies, if it's something that they can offer, they might be able to offer some perspective. But bottom line, before he decides that not getting promoted is due to his orientation, I would want to know just more data. I would want to know more information and really make sure you've covered all your bases in terms of understanding yourself at work before you attribute the lack of promotion to who you are as a person. Sure. And I mean, look, even if we take everything at face value and say, look, this is because of your orientation, that's a huge, a huge problem that needs to be addressed readily. It needs to be something that it, it's going to be a cultural issue. Um, or, or unfortunately, it's almost like, oh, do you have to keep your life private? I mean, what a bummer to have that happen. I think a lot of part this might also be part of guys, straight dudes trying to act, quote unquote, act normal around somebody where they don't know how to act. And uh, it, Neil Brennan, this comedian, has a, a little bit where he's like, People don't act normal around celebrities. Acting normal around celebrities is like acting normal around a cop. You're like, oh, I'm driving the speed limit. <laughs> I've got my hands on 10 and 2, right? And I feel like a lot of guys who didn't grow up with gay friends or friends who are Latino, friends who are black or female friends, we just often don't know how to act. So we go into kind of our own human resources mode where mm. we're kind of like, oh, hi there, Jim. Nice to see you. I'm being very vanilla right now because I don't know how to act because not because you make me nervous or because I don't like what you do or something like that or I feel disgusted by your habits or your lifestyle. It's almost like, oh, shoot, what have I said around him in the past few months or years that is kind of maybe inappropriate? I didn't know. Oh, no. Now maybe what if he thinks I'm one of those like bro assholes? Shoot. And then you start to walk on eggshells and it's not even anything that you've done it's just you're just not sure they're not sure of themselves how to, how yeah, to be people around. end up like pulling back and overcorrecting right. and just avoiding anything that makes them feel like they might do or say the wrong thing exactly which is like let's be honest like that's an issue of probably education and exposure on their part exactly. and i wish people knew how to behave uh it shouldn't stop from getting promoted no, but it, it might it might make people act weird but, but it would be an explanation because i do think that even if the promotion stuff isn't attributable to his lifestyle like the the feeling of being subtly treated differently once people find out is I think that's probably pretty real. And I took yeah. a little informal poll among some gay friends of mine to ask them if they've experienced anything like this. And they're all just like, yeah, that's a pretty standard thing. Like uh, in the best scenarios, it's a very subtle shift in the way people talk or act around you. It doesn't mean that they're discriminating against you. It just means that they're acting a little bit different, even if they don't have to. So I don't want to say that this is all made up in his mind. Like that part of it can be real and it can still be true that he's not 
not getting promoted because of who right. he is. You know what I mean? True. So you got to separate out those two things. I would say go find more information and write back if you find out something yeah. interesting. I'm super curious about this one. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, next question. Hey, Jordan and gang, I'm a pretty laid back guy and chill in my own head, but I tend to notice that people around me get either intimidated or think I'm in a bad mood or something, especially when I'm in what I consider the zone. When they talk to me, it seemed to dissipate a bit. Based on my own extensive research, mainly by running a Google keyword search and looking at the top five results, 
<laughs> extensive research. One thing that resonated to me was that it may not even be about what I'm actually feeling, but it may just be the lack of expression. At some point, this may also extend to my monotone voice at times. This can be discussed in a different session. Do you have quick tips or exercises uh, so I can remediate this? To give a better context, I work in a professional audit firm. We, yeah, I'm not going to mention the name of the firm as a manager, and I manage a team of at least six to eight people per client with a client roster of three to five per year. Since I'm front and center, not only with my team and partners, I also deal with clients, including C-suites, so I don't want to put out a bad impression because of that lack of expression. Like I initially mentioned, my research is not that extensive, so if you can lay out a spectrum and things to watch out for, that would be very much appreciated. This is all you. Is it all me? Because I default uh my default resting bitch face exactly exactly <laughs> yeah i actually feel for this guy because um until fairly recently i think i had a very similar problem like i'm just like a naturally serious guy you have resting bitch face i kind of do and it kind of runs in the family and i realized it while i was working at my first job and i was in the same shoes as this guy so i totally understand i'd say the first of all because he's writing and he's asking for help i'm guessing that he's not actually that upset and he wants to work on it. So something tells me that he just probably has like an outward face that just makes people feel like he's angry when he's not, which means that one easy fix is just to call it out. Like that's not a bad thing to do. Like when you meet someone for the first time, like let's say you're managing some team of young associates or analysts or whatever, and you don't want them to think that you're angry all the time. Just be like, and by the way, guys, I know I have a serious face. Don't like, don't worry about it something i've been dealing with my whole life have a standard joke in your back pocket laugh about it and then it's sort of called out and people won't take it that seriously yeah just say look i got resting jerk face when i get in the zone i tend to look like i'm wired in i'm not paying attention it is not a reflection on you please do not take it as such i just tend to zone in and you know it takes me a while to sort of recover so just fyi and you can reiterate that every month if you need to yeah i'd say that's like a really easy thing to do but he wants something a little bit deeper and i i think it couldn't hurt to consider like maybe why he gets so intense like you don't have to be super intense and angry to be good at your job that's true so where can you find a little bit of like the playfulness in what they do like i know it's auditing work it's not like you know <laughs> painting or it's not the most exciting all the right. time but that doesn't mean that like you can't introduce a little bit of that into the work like joke around or smile a little more or just like you know take some time to just i don't know talk to people like people and not like they're subordinates and you have to be in the zone 100 percent of the time right I so think, that it balances out sort of like you can be intense in the zone and then after work it's like you you hang out banter chill go for happy hour whatever and then they go oh no he's cool he's just in the zone right now that way they see multiple sides of you and it's not just yeah there's gabriel mr intensity totally he can also use his intensity to do a range of things not just be in the zone or be on at work for example like you know, if you're like an intense guy, like he sounds pretty serious, then people probably take what he says pretty seriously, mm. which can be great if he gives praise in a really serious way. Like that could actually mean more than saying it in a sort of throwaway way or just sort of like throwing it out there. So if he sits down and he's with somebody and they did a great job and he's letting them know that they did a great job in his very serious, naturally serious way, then just making sure that you're hitting all of the notes in a conversation with somebody, not just the bad stuff, could actually mean that the seriousness works to his advantage. I like that. I dig. Should we do one more? Whatever you want. All right. Last but not least, Jordan, first let me say thank you for producing The Art of Charm. I've been an AOC fan for over a year now and love the podcast. When I can keep up with how fast you produce content, yeah, we do put out a lot of stuff. I don't know what to do in this situation. I was business partners with a friend who was a groomsman at my wedding, and we ran a photography studio. I often felt like he wanted to do it completely on his own, even when he said otherwise. 
I brought the creativity and analytic perspective, and he brought the people sense and eventually some financial backing. In November 2016, he told me he didn't want to do photography anymore. Okay. So we valued all the business assets, and I took a buyout based on the belief that he was closing everything down. Big mistake. I was told that I could continue to use the studio space and be referred clients for all of December, and then I learned from an employee that I was no longer allowed to. All of a sudden, I learned he's using a sub-brand I helped create and asked to have the name of when I left and is continuing the business. I took responsibility for some of the clients he abandoned and provided promised services to them at no cost. Wow, that sucks. We run in some of the same networking circles, and our town has a small-town feel even though it has 500,000 people. It is so awkward being around him, and I'd really like to punch him straight in the face. I haven't, and I won't. I also don't know what to tell people who ask when I say that we aren't business partners anymore. I've tried to just say the facts. He said X, then did Y, but worry this will make me look bad. Please help me speak about this in a way that isn't disgraceful or damaging to my no... He must be now fledgling business. Thank you in advance for creating a kick butt podcast and your helpful answer. Ouch. This this sucks, man. He just got totally backstabbed by his business partner slash friend slash groomsman at his wedding. Yikes. What happened here? <laughs> I'm, I don't know what happened here, but I would be willing to bet that if we asked him, did you have any sense that this wasn't a 100% stand up dude? He would probably be like, nah, I saw some signs. I think that's always yeah, the maybe. case. I, I just feel like it's always something when you didn't listen to your instinct or you notice little signs along the way. And I'm not saying that he deserved this. Nobody deserves yeah, this. Yeah, really. But it's just interesting to think about, like, for the next time, you know, the the reason this happened to him could very well be to make sure it never happens to him again. And it's just useful to look back and think, oh, yeah, there was like two or three critical moments when I didn't listen to my instincts. And next time I will. So just interesting to call that out. I don't know. As far as this goes, it feels like a really crappy situation that is only going to stay with him and make him feel worse the longer he hangs on to it. The sooner he just lets it go and moves on with his life, the better. There doesn't seem to be anything he can do now. He has a lot of anger and resentment, which is perfectly understandable. That will dissipate over time. It'll go away if he just sits with it and doesn't try to indulge it. And the business partnership of it all is over. So I don't know how much more good it's doing by hanging on to it. Yeah. You know, and worrying about the outcome. It's hard to say. I mean, maybe he was hard to work with. Maybe the other guy felt that he was the one doing all the work. Although there are certain telltale signs that this guy wasn't a stand-up guy, like you said, because if I did business with a partner and that person was a, a, a lazy sack and I brought all the value and all the backing and all the everything, I wouldn't make them service clients for no cost that we used to have. Mm -hmm. That's not fair yeah. at all. Yeah. Especially when you're continuing the business and using the assets to make money, you're basically stealing from your friend at that point. And the other thing is, Saying, oh, you can continue to do business and you can use the space and then being like, actually, you can't. I'm using it mm -hmm. and not telling you that finding out through an employee. That's another thing that says this person's not a stand up guy, because if I had again, if I had a partner who was a lazy sack and I brought in all the value and all the backing, I would say, here's the thing. I want to buy you out. I'm going to continue. But I just I want to do this on my own. I've got different ideas about what I want to do. I'm going to take the assets. I'm going to give you a buyout based on the value. And you're going to give me the, the clients. And if you want to continue with some of our clients, we can try to divvy them up or whatever. But we need to have that conversation, not, oh, the door's locked. Oh, wait a minute. You're stealing the clients. Oh, wait a minute. You're giving me all the ones we didn't like. And I'm not getting paid for it. You, just, you This guy got robbed. So I, 
normally I'd say, well, there's two sides to every story, but it seems pretty clear here from a lot of this data that the side of the, the other side of the story is you're dealing with somebody who doesn't care about you, just wanted to make more money and decided they didn't need you anymore and discarded you like a piece of trash. Yeah, but here we are. So just move on, man. Yeah, move and, on. And as far as the question about, you know, how do I stop this from making me look bad? Please help me speak about this way, uh, about this in a way that isn't disgraceful or damaging to my now fledgling business. I would say like, you don't need to go into the details of it. Yeah, just be like, we parted ways. Yeah. Leave it at that. And you don't have to like get caught up on who did what and who said what. Exactly. You know, if somebody asks or it's important for some reason to go into it, then you can and you can always tell that story in as as objective a way as possible to make it sound like you're not harboring too much of a grudge and exactly. looking like a crazy person. But you really don't need to. You say, for a time we work together, now we don't. I run my own company. That's what I'm doing now. And exactly. I think that solves most of it. Well, great. Well, we we blew through the time on this one. We got more questions for next time. Gabriel, thank you so much. Man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at The Art of Charm to get your questions answered on the air. A link to the show notes for this episode will be at theartofcharm.com and which slash FMF whatever number this episode ends up being and i'd love to hear from you i'm on twitter at the art of charm it's a great way to engage with the show and gabe you're on twitter yeah i'm on twitter at gabe mizrahi great and we'll link that in the show notes as well of course uh if you got your own advice for the people we've heard from today i'd love to hear about it i think if it's something that can help everyone i may read that on the show and i love the fact that people write in and they go oh i'm in this exact same situation or i was 10 years ago and here's how i solved it or something like that we get a lot of really interesting letters from people who are in the exact same situation of weird circumstances that are so particular but when you have millions of people listening there's almost always going to be somebody who's like oh yeah that was me too that was me too and also it's awesome when people write back after a month or whatever and tell us how it went yes because there's always like new information or they tried something and we'd love to know if it works exactly so please follow up if some of this works for you or if if we're way off we'd like to know that too also don't forget about the art of charm challenge text the word charmed c-h-a-r-m-e-d to 33444 in the states everywhere else you can just go to the artofcharm.com slash challenge we'll take you step by step making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, personal charisma, magnetism, social capital. That's what it's about. And it's for both guys and gals. So check that out. It's not just for one gender. Text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444 or just go to com slash challenge. And by the way, I'm on another show called The Forbes List. I host that. I interview the Forbes editors about the lists they keep from billionaires to top 10 grossing hip-hop artists or music, top 30 in music and all that stuff. So definitely go ahead and check that out at Podcast One or anywhere fine podcasts are sold. I'm going to give a shout out to Janie. She listens to the show. She works on, she's a female and she works on an oil platform. No way. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Um, Maybe it's awesome. It might also be lonely because I think she's one of the, she might be the only woman or one of the few women working on this thing and she's in some sort of role where... I mean, she sounds like she's probably pretty tough, but it might still be a little bit. Talk about being an outsider yeah. and an insider's business. Uh, talk love, about boys clubs. I would love to sit down with that person and talk to them for 30 minutes. And I remember I remember her letter off the top of my head, and there's a lot of other folks that listen to the show. There's also um, a person named Chris who works in Antarctica at a science station. Mm. Listens, so I forgot to put those in the notes, so I'm just going based off my memory here. So shout out to those folks. Thanks for listening to the show in the middle of nowhere, Antarctica and an oil platform, kind of uh, as far away from civilization as you can get learning your social skills from the art of charm your social superpowers 
If you're in a strange land listening to my familiar voice, hit me up. I'd love to shout you out here. More from AOC at The Art of Charm. And if you're interested in our live residential boot camps where you learn all these different techniques and tricks and everything with us as your coaches, and we talk about everything, deep stuff, shallow stuff, fun stuff, not so fun stuff, you can check out that at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. And that's a residential experience. Five days, six days that will change the way you look at everything in your life. Uh, artofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Stay charming, get out there and connect and leave everything and everyone better than you found them.